Before we go into talking about the power of team meetings and encouraging that in the listeners to, to build some version of that, um, I wanted to share quickly about the Equinox ritual um, and how like, so like the spring Equinox the previous year that I wrote everything out um, and I remember being on my floor and I remember sending it to multiple friends as a like announcement almost like I was proclaiming it um by putting it out publicly to friends not online because I and I shared this with you before like I was very private about my list because I didn't want anyone trying to show up as the list but I shared it to a few trusted friends and on that next spring equinox you were already in my life and uh without having this idea to do it yet. I just knew it was a spring equinox. It's a powerful time for manifestation. So I asked you like, do you want to do a man? Do you want to do a meditation together on FaceTime? Or do you want to maybe like state our intentions for the relationship, maybe speak some fears and just do a clearing. And, um, and somehow it came up that we, that we had that list and you were like, well, why don't we read, I'll read yours and you read mine. And so, um, we did that on FaceTime and I remember, um, how ceremonial it felt for me. And, um, there was nothing in me when I read the list that felt, um, like I was not in alignment with something. Um, I think the only thing, and I told you this, that I wanted to grow in was my ability and my finances to buy all organic. That was the only thing, everything else I felt like, "Eh," like check. Um, and when you read my list, um, it was, I mean, it was very beautiful for me to read, to, to see a man that in, that the list described, read it out loud. And I'm sharing this because I want people to have that faith and that hope that like, that is how magical life can be. And that is how beautifully God can answer prayers that like, I wrote that list in pure faith, um, a year prior in pure faith, um, as a prayer request. And on the next fall equinox like so much of a god wink that on the next fall equinox that man that it described read it out loud like that just amplified my faith so much and really made me feel so provided for by god um that i will always have what i ask for um it doesn't mean that i don't need to do the work to align to it and to become it myself but it was i mean it was just such a strengthening of faith to experience that and i'm so thankful that you came up with that idea 
Um, I, I remember like, and I screenshot a couple of times when you were reading it. And the two times that I remember you, like you teared up or you started to cry and you kind of like did this like open mouth, like deep breath. Um, one was, um, when I when you read like my desire that you are wealthy on the inside. Um, and the second one was when my father thrilled, my children are thrilled to have him as a father figure and role model. Um, and those two things were like, not only a vulnerable thing to share that they were a desire, but they also were like, like such a core, core desire to me because, um, I know so many people that are wealthy on the outside and they're not wealthy on the inside. They're not wealthy in how they give and how they have faith and, um, and uh, while all of that abundance outside is incredible and strengthens the ability to give and to have faith and to not stress over Christmas gifts or whatever, um, what is it if it's not wealthy on the inside, you know? And so it was, it was beautiful to see not only you read that list, but to see you touched um, while reading those two specific qualities. I don't know if you want to share anything about your list or um, your uh, experience of, of that, uh, little ritual we did. Well, this isn't like a 10 part list. Like both of our lists oh, no. are equally <laughs> as extensive. They're like four long. pages. Yeah, yeah. It's very detailed. Mine was built over maybe a decade of, mm-hmm, me too. of being in relationship. Um, we all, and we, I want to say really quickly, neither of us flinched at the length of them. Yeah, I remember being on a date years ago with someone who's actually a relationship therapist. And I, sh- I showed him like at the time it was like 22 items. He's like, I think you need to narrow this down to three. And yeah. I was like, you're gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> three. Yeah. Adorable. <laughs> so I loved, I love that you brought that up, how long it is, because we didn't, we were actually like more. Well, that's what comes excited with about it. Experience, I man. In your twenties, I mean, there's I could have come up with five or seven of those things, and they were half of the things that were taken off the list were so shallow mm-hmm. and meaningless because I would call that in and the experience of like that ain't it, you know? That's that's not at all what I thought that mm-hmm. my value is or my values are in a person or whatever. And when I would heal those parts of myself, I would, you know there would be something else would be an aha moment of what I want to put on the list. But what we're mostly at fault of most of us, all of us out there is we, we feel like we got burnt or we like something and we'll go for the opposite or we'll go for what someone wasn't instead of what they are. And so we'll leave a relationship and like, Oh, I'm never going to get with that again. And we'll go with the polar opposite, which isn't really the answer. It's just, it can teach you what, you're going to say no to next time, but you know, they could be the same energy as someone else, but we'll, if we don't heal and we don't allow those dynamics and our nervous systems that were so blasted wide open, there's something in me that feels the need to say this. So many relationships can be started from a place of numbing from a place of partying Mm -hmm. drugs um avoidance uh seeking seeking uh erotic in in nature just in uh pure from the physical form of sex chemistry only yeah chemistry only and when you're blasting 
your dopamine and your serotonin and everything wide open. You're addicted to these like love chemicals that you're associating with being this other person. And that's why it's so difficult to unravel and detangle. And you mentioned cutting the cords. I mean, I did years of meditating on anybody that I've been intimate with or come across or dated and envisioning them and their higher self and my higher self and being giving gratitude for what they shared with me, what they showed me, what I potentially shared with them. Even if it was, if we hurt each other, whatever we learn from it and really praying and then saying, thank you and saying, Hey, I'm going to cut cords with you. And I wish your soul nothing but the best, but like, I want to clear my energy for my person coming in and I give you gratitude. And this isn't a turning my back on you. This isn't that I'm not grateful. This is actually because I am grateful and that I'm requesting that you do the same or you're able to move on and, and really cleanse your palate of anything distasteful. Um, but I did feel the need to segue for just a moment that so, so much of our energy and our chemistry with another person has been under the influence of something. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, it's so hard, so hard not to continuously go back to that person or create some story that what you had was more than what it was when it, when all actuality, it was chemicals being released from the brain. And Robert Johnson talks about that because of those love chemicals that are typically like the first 90 days, you're like in those, in that phase, um, that like during that time, those first couple months, you're projecting, you're literally projecting God onto that partner. And it's when you go through, um, you know, a big, like you and I started therapy, I think two months in, um, it's when you go through things like very real things like couples therapy, where you're like working through something big or the person moves in and you see how they floss their teeth, whatever it is that annoys you, that that's when you realize they're not, I mean, this is so, um, neat, like, I guess, uh, it's a little weird to try to articulate it, but you realize that they're not the God that you projected on. They're not the God you projected onto them. And that's when you really decide if you are going to love this person um is that kind of what you were saying like because of the love chemicals yeah like projecting yeah, god onto someone yes and i mean you're speaking of uh most relationships just in general terms but i'm spe speaking specifically too because this is so much given me working in counseling for decades so it's such a rarity for anybody even to begin a relationship or a first kiss without alcohol mm -hmm. being high on something yeah, you shared involved. that in the in your story too. Okay, and so um, how many of us experience uh, MDMA, psychedelics, um, ecstasy-inducing drugs together, and then that really can be confusing to your nervous system, to your mental state of being, and to uh, your relationship with yourself when you're trying to separate because you know the dynamic has turned toxic or it always was, and you just didn't fully accept it. And you're trying to change and you're trying to work on yourself, but it's so hard to truly detach and unravel and cut those cords. And I just want to send you love on that because that is uh, something so beautiful. Jade and I experienced this because we went in sober and we've never been in a intoxicating state aside from our own chemistry. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's intense enough when you have your own chemistry without 
any drugs or any psychedelics or any, we've never done anything like that together. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, given how intense that our nervous systems are commingled, uh, I just wanted to send love to the people that um, have those experiences with other people where drugs were a part of the dynamic, because I feel that makes it a thousand times more difficult um, to really. um, And it's part of the reason why sometimes they happen. The person wants to hook you in by getting you to do this with them. So it's also like really using discernment on, the the intentions behind it um they can feel maybe that you're on the way out and so let's do an mdma ceremony and yeah so so always using discernment there was there anything else you wanted to say about the the equinox or the um, Uh, i think the the list is um i'm just going to reiterate uh make your list it's beautiful to write down and be very clear on what you don't want so you're just writing the opposite, right? Like sometimes I don't want someone that does this and then start to transition it. Well, this is what I want. What's the other side of that? And so instead of unconsciously going to a dynamic where someone is the exact opposite of what you just experienced, because you don't want to experience the other person. So you think the opposite is going to be better. Actually write it out and feel into it. So, you know, when that person shows up mm-hmm. or what you're calling in, like you can take responsibility for it. Like I called that in because there's so many times I called in what I wrote down and I was like, that's not at all what I thought. I mean, there is something beautiful to the, you know, a country song, unanswered prayers, like Garth Brooks, like mm-hmm. God's greatest gift is unanswered prayers. Mm-hmm. There's so many times where I prayed and I thought this is exactly what I want. I'm like, thank God that you know more than I do. And that this is truly letting go to faith because there's a lot of times you're making these lists like, I know this is exactly what I need and exactly what I want. And it's like, well, that didn't require much faith because you're going to get it. And you realize, oh, that's not the answer. Yeah. Your, uh, oh, cute Blackson's episode was all about surrender and manifestation. And he talks about how a lot of times what we're trying to manifest is from our ego and our wounding instead of from our like highest souls, uh, version of ourselves and uh like we think if we get that thing or that trait in a person then it'll fill something in us so like really you know thinking about that side of it as well but wanted to give a visual like the very first list that I made um I was in my 20s and um this this shaman that I used to work with told me uh uh gave me this example and I really made a huge difference for me. It it was like you drew a circle and you drew, you wrote everything that you desired, which I mean, again, back then in my twenties, my list was only like 25 things. Um, but like inside the circle, I wrote like all the traits or all the desires. And that was my, that circle was my relationship container that I was available for. And outside the list, I wrote the things that I was not available for because it was really important for me at the time when I was choosing toxic relationships to know what my nose and my red flags were. And so with you, I was at a point where I was really, I was able to just have that four page list of what I was available for. Um, but there was a time where I really needed it clear as well. Like what was an immediate no. I forgot that you said that. Cause I remember I did that. I went to my journal and did that not over us. Mm-hmm. I did that over because you've witnessed me express a lot of pain over relationships that were in my life for 
oh my goodness, since I was in middle school, military academy to uh, college, that's like 20 plus, there's one 30-year relationship in there that when I went in my vulnerable state of grief, um, and who knows what parts of me that were coming out that someone no longer wanted to be witness or stand by uh, those people I felt rejected me or cut me out of their life or treated me poorly. I needed to make, I needed to draw that circle and be very clear about what I allowed in the circle and what was on the outside. Mm -hmm. I remember you saying that me immediately getting in my journal because I had this trust and this relationship and this connection, like, Oh, this is my inner circle. So it's you and I, and then, okay, what, um, what dynamics will you and won't you allow in your life mm-hmm. and be very clear why, because mm-hmm. that's the part of integrity in our relationships. Uh, how you do one thing is how you do everything. And I see relationships a lot of times is there's, if it's a neighborhood, there's some people, I mean, think of a beautiful neighborhood here. And there's some people like they're walking through. I see them at the stop sign. We give a wave to each other. Some people I give a nod. Some people I invite up on the porch. Some people, you know, like we're about to have a Christmas gathering of all our friends. They take their shoes off and they can lay anywhere and be comfortable. And there's some people like, Hey man, I don't even want you to know what neighborhood I live in. <laughs> you know? And that's how I think that we need to look at all relationships. Just be very clear about the boundaries and the uh, level that we allow people into our lives. Yeah. And I mean, that reminds me of the couple bubble and what we'll talk about later, Andrew Harvey talking about the sacredness is like, um, and that decision where we weren't going to let anything or anyone come between us is like the couple bubble is also like, who are you going to allow their feedback uh, when you need feedback for how to work through things. Like, do you admire their relationship? Do you trust them? You brought this up to me. Um, And, you know, we talked about when we do like need to go talk to someone um, like I learned early on and other, I learned in other relationships. If I go to my mom or if I go to other friends, like certain friends and I vent about something in a certain way, they're going to hold on to that after I'm over it you know, and then you're, you're not really keeping the sacredness of your couple bubbles. So like. I will footnote. Mm -hmm. I will footnote that. Yes. And so what Jay just expressed is a healthy, um, be very clear and differentiating and uh, discerning who your support support system is. I have a wonderful support system that I've recognized in the past when I was embarrassed or unwilling to share aspects of my relationship with my closest support system. That is an aha moment that you're not in integrity, right? That you're not allowing with your values and you're allowing some bullshit to go down in your relationship. That is not who you say that you are. Mm -hmm. And I remember those moments where I was embarrassed to say it, say it out loud. I knew it was going to turn their perspective of how they saw that person forever rightfully so because they did something shitty mm-hmm. and I was embarrassed or scared to say because I didn't want to see that one because I wanted That's to live the dream or the version of them that I that God that I made them into but also or and when you're angry yes. you may not be seeing an accurate version of your partner so I know in the past I did not protect that couple bubble and I would vent in a way that made the person there was the version I was painting of them right then. And then I felt differently, 
you know? So it's like both of those, like it's, uh, that is a really valid point though. I know that like when we went to California to stay with Tom, I've, I have never been embarrassed to share anything about you, uh, with Tasha or, um, you know, Tom, like I'm, I'm also very protective of, uh, over you. Like I would, I would throw over a table if someone tried to say something negative about you. I'm very protective over you. But I remember a time that I was embarrassed to share something about myself in, in a way that I acted. And I remember telling Tom and experiencing so much grace and just like, uh, yeah, that makes fucking sense. Like you're human. And like, let's talk about why it happened. And so um, I wanted to specify that because if you're embarrassed about something you did, it's all the more important that you talk to someone about it um, and get to the root of it. Um, but it, I think does that makes sense about what you were saying. Like, I think it's both because sometimes we may um, be painting a picture that, like that's what I'm. Okay. So calm your tits first. So go <laughs> off and do your deep breathing, sit under a tree, make sure your nervous system's calm. It's someone you respect. Yeah. And like, because there is one, Hey, I want to vent and that's beautiful. Maybe you have, I have a relationship with my dearest friend, Tim. It's over 20 years. We can call each other and vent. Like if he vents, not that there's anything he could ever pinpoint about his wife. (laughs) I'm just saying if he were to, I love you. Uh, If he were to, um, because she's amazing. One, she knows that I have her back, um, Mm -hmm. his wife's back and that I am an advocate and I am the biggest fan of their relationship. Uh, because it reflects what he's called in and the man that he is. And they are the perfect power couple. And I love both of them dearly. Uh, I have that foundation with him. So he can call me and vent. And I'm either going to recognize because I've known him so long. I'm going to have to ask like, okay, he's just got to get this shit out. And then be like, man, I hear you. And then say everything back, man, I hear this. I can, I can just feel your frustration. Yeah. I love you. And just let him just fucking spew it. Uh, that foundation has to be there and, or you need to just call that out. Like, Hey, I don't need your opinion right now. I just want to talk some shit. Then you have that dynamic for that person where they're actually like, I always see her side and he always defaults to Jade's perspective and her side. Um, usually that's what we're waiting for when all the, uh, shit talking gets out of the way is like, okay. And, have you thought about it from Jade's perspective when you said this, how potentially she could feel and how that may be a little bit scary and maybe you need to soften up and have a little more compassion. And it's like, we have that chemistry and that relationship and that bond with each other that I know that he's not giving me a perspective that would be hurtful, harmful, or inconsiderate. Mm-hmm. You have to have that with somebody. I don't care if it's one person. Uh, we don't need to go spreading this shit to everybody. Mm-mm. My grandfather, when he died at 98, uh, Brother Earthman that got up and, and was a preacher, and he got up and he spoke at my grandfather's funeral, and he said, like, Oscar Johns, that's my grandfather, would always say, if you have your top three people you can go to for life or anything, you know, you're a blessed man. And he's like, I'm so blessed for 70-plus years to be my grandfather's top three. It's like, we don't need, if you have one person, awesome. You have two, holy hell. If you have three, you're blessed. Like the older you get, you'll recognize all these people and these associations that you think you're close friends. 
I don't want to say they're not. I'm just saying like what it requires for you to have deep, intimate connections and trust before you start praying for your soul's mate, you probably need to pray for like bonds and true relationships and friendships Mm. because I love all of Jade's friends. I was thinking about that yesterday. We just got back uh, from Vegas at an award ceremony. We all went to dinner and we're, we're all giggling and laughing and tears in our eyes. We're all dead sober. You know, how rare is that Mm -hmm. Uh, to just absolutely love this married couple. And when I'm around uh, Kyle and Tasha, Oh my goodness. I just love, I don't feel like I need to say anything. I can just be there and listen to them and interject. If like I have something funny to say, but otherwise we don't need to like prove ourselves to each other. And so, um, Show me your friends or show your future. And if you love each other's friends, that's going to be pretty huge. If you don't like each other's friends, that's something to consider because they're a reflection of your partner. Mm. So our friends reflect. That's a good point. I'm not, I am not afraid of what you and your friends are going to go do, even if you go have a weekend in Vegas. Yeah. Um, So that's a really good point. um, So I, I don't remember how we got on that. But was there anything left on the equinox uh, ritual? Well, it's wild to be praying to be a father and um, praying for a partner to raise children with. And then you're, you've had this powerful lovemaking connection and chemistry and romance. And then um, I think, did I even meet the kids at that point? I don't think I met them yet. Mm-hmm. I hadn't met yeah. them. I'd only seen videos and so to re- read that out and then realize in that moment that like to accept and not run away or to uh, not have fear, but to um, embrace that reality being presented to me that I am and you see me as that role model and that father figure. Uh, that is that required a moment of pause and breathe in and allow my nervous system to even accept that reality mm. and like to truly have faith and just stay blasted wide open i'm so excited to tell you guys about paleo valley's grass-fed bone broth bone broth has been hailed as a healing superfood for centuries and what makes bone broth so amazing is its collagen content after the age of 20 we begin producing less collagen every year and as our production declines our natural collagen and elastic fibers get looser meaning fine lines and wrinkles dry skin deterioration of healthy joints brittle hair and nails and much more But consuming supplemental collagen, such as in bone broth, can actually stimulate the body to make more of its own collagen. I choose Paleo Valley's bone broth because unlike most bone broths, theirs is not processed with high heat. It's not extracted with harmful chemicals. It's 100% grass-fed and finished from cows never given antibiotics, steroids, or hormones. And something that really sets them apart is that this product is made from bones, not hides. Most companies use the hides because it's cheaper. But when collagen is sourced from the animal's skin, we miss out on all of the extra nutrients and restorative benefits of the bones. The benefits are endless, but a few are that it eases arthritis symptoms and supports joint health, improves skin health and reduces the appearance of wrinkles. It increases hair growth, aids in blood sugar regulation, helps prevent heart disease, supports gut health, helps build muscle mass and boost metabolism. 
reduces the appearance of cellulite and promotes better sleep. I had been searching for a long time for the most convenient and cost-effective bone broth without sacrificing quality because I knew I wanted it as a staple in my family's daily routine. Paleo Valley's bone broth not only makes it easy to serve my children, but the flavor also makes it exciting for them. Protein in our diet makes all the difference in our moods in this home. And with my daughter being very picky when it comes to protein, this makes it so easy for me to make sure that she's getting enough of that each day. They have the unflavored, which mixes easily in anything, but I am obsessed with their vanilla and chocolate flavors and so are my kids. I feel so great providing this for my family each morning as we start our day. Head over to paleovalley.com forward slash jade for 15% off your first order. That's Paleo Valley, P-A-L-E-O-V-A-L-L-E-Y.com forward slash Jade for 15% off your first order. This is a continuation of the same exact episode. Um, I'm just letting you know if you feel a different energy, because uh, there's a different energy. It's, it's uh, the next day, uh, we put a pause on everything to go get the kids. And now we had a very full day with the children. Um, we just went on a long bike ride. I went on about a mile jog just to <laughs> just to find them because apparently they can't, you know, keep going left around a circle. Um, they got to stop and play somewhere in the wooded area that kind of freaks you out. Uh, everyone's back and safe. We've had a meltdown. Uh, we have consequences in this home. If you, if you start misbehaving and get a warning, then we give one piece of candy a day of organic candy. And uh, that's on the table. If that's going to be taken away. And uh, the then there's screen time, which is a very rarity in this home. And so, well, if you yell at mommy, especially, or you talk back and yell, uh, that's an immediate all three's gone. And so uh, you you you're gonna have to earn those back. You're gonna have to have a great day of behavior to earn all those back. And so um, we had a meltdown today, and and. Uh, there was some yelling towards mommy's direction, and that is an immediate no-no. So our job is not to be angry, uh, just to be very clear with the consequences. And when those consequences aren't accepted, there's going to be a lot of tears. So if you hear a child just randomly cry in the background or wonder why this video that we're looking like we're in our bedroom as captives in our own home, <laughs> <laughs> that is why um, it's, it's been an emotional day here today. And we are excited to continue on with this episode. All right. So I remember one time we were on FaceTime um, and there had been a couple of times where you asked me uh, maybe what I was thinking or what was on my mind. And I just kind of shook my head or I um, got quiet or I was like, oh, nothing. And you... I remember, I don't know if you remember it, uh, this happening, but you had said like, look, if you don't start sharing what's on your mind, we're just gonna, uh, schedule like 90 minutes each week to just like clear everything that maybe is in the background or that we're thinking about that we need to say. And that way the rest of the time can be play. And we know that um, we will have a chance to discuss whatever's on our mind on Sunday at 2 p.m. or whatever time it is that we set these team meetings at. Is that, do you remember that? I do. Okay, so that was how this um, team meeting uh, ritual of ours started. And um, we'll share about like how we worked out the kinks and uh, things that we have learned 
uh, go well and that don't go well. Um, I will say that team meetings have done wonders for me when it comes to my anxiety, because I know in past relationships, when thing would bother me or, um, if I was unhappy in something or, uh, I created a story around something, whatever it was in past relationships, I would hyper focus on it. And I would get this as, as a teenage girl who was always having to run away from abuse. I would get this, um, overwhelming anxiety of like, it's always going to be this way. This is never going to change. And I have to get out of here. And that was why I was like an anxious avoidant in every relationship is because I would get this anxiety and then I would like plan my exit and I would disconnect and, uh, disengage and start figuring out like how the relationship can end. And in this uh, relationship, the power of the team meetings for me is that every time I'm in one of those situations where I've created a story, I've got anxiety over something, um, something made me nervous, whatever it is, um, instead of hyper-focusing on it and anging, this is never going to change. I need to get out of here. It, uh, the work has been to put a pen in it, put it in a note. Um, I feel a little out of practice of this right now, but the work has been to put it in a note okay, on Sunday, we're going to tackle this together as a team. We start with breath work and prayer and we go in heart connected as a team, ideally. And we're going to tackle whatever it is together and uh, come up with a strategy. Like instead of like, this doesn't work, like um, this needs to change. It's more of like, let's come up with a strategy that's a win-win. And so for me, it has eliminated that um, all week hyper-focus it's uh, because also I never feel like it's stuck that way because I know we're gonna um do you want to share anything yet yeah I feel it's worthy of me adding that I I believe I was very much the same in past relationships uh for the genesis of lack of a better word for where that began with me where I would be more of an anxious avoidant would be I would be in a dynamic where I felt like I was controlled or I wasn't accepted being me and I would become hyper focused on whatever was not going right and prepare my exit strategy like when that switch would uh would go would be a scary process because I would have blinders on Mm -hmm. and I would need to protect myself and I would need need to get out of there get out of the relationship get all my stuff out Mm -hmm. and be usually cold as possible so I could protect myself emotionally and um, get in a place where I could set up and feel safe enough to recover because because usually it was like my adrenals my uh, sleep is off or whatever it was, there was enough arguing or belittling or criticism or whatever it was that was building up uh, with poor communication. And usually I had the, a, a victim mindset of I'm doing, usually the default for me is that I was doing all these things for them. And usually the story that I have in my head is they're not grateful or whatever it was. And so therefore we shouldn't have these issues. Like it it was, it would be this loop in this circle of finding reasons why they were wrong. And so I began, when I started doing my work, I began 
seeing this in couples and other people and then facing this myself and then working with great mentors and then working with great uh, teachers that actually lived it in their partnerships, uh, coaches and whatnot. And so I always had in the back of my mind that while I'm finding these parameters and usually with uh, single parents that come to me with their teenagers, I'm simulating those 90 minute um, discussions so they can bounce things off me as a team about what to best do in their household. And so that's how I came up with the steps to it. Yet I had never found a relationship where I felt safe enough. And I felt that we were both aligned with doing the level of work that is required to remain a team, to be a team and not have the default setting of, Oh, you're wrong. I'm right. Or I'm the victim here. And um, let me figure out a way to make you wrong. And then let me bolt uh, to protect myself. That a part of the team meetings is so you always have a voice and you always have a safe place to ground yourself, to reset, to clear up the little things that usually when you don't have a foundation of safety where you can bring those things to each other, they come out in really weird, screwed up ways. Like you lay down, you're about to fall asleep. And then they're like, oh, well, like, I'm really scared about my taxes or something. And have you done this? <laughs> it's like, you're just about to shut your eyes. And um, that happens all the time when you don't write these things down and you don't have a standard of making agreements on everything in the house and in your lives. Um, that means you're still trying to be these sovereign beings and have your way and you're not thinking about a win-win team meetings are founded in the belief that I want everything in your life to be a win. And I want everything in my life to be a win and being together and working together means that we're stronger together. So how do we create a win-win? Everything's in agreement. And there's not a single thing in Jade and I's household from how we speak to the kids to how we go work out together today and how we interact, how we meditate together, how we go to sleep, how before we make love, after we make love, every little from every rock lamp in this house, it is a, it is an agreement of how does this feel about you? I would like this here. Why would you like that there? We apply logic, we apply heart, we apply, okay, well, I just really want this because this means something to me. And usually we back off and we recognize if one of us are upset or one of us are, it's a little bit heated or if it's a little bit charged that we get to own that, take responsibility for it. And I'm telling you, if you've ever been a part of helping raise kids or any parents out there, it's no different than reparenting yourself when you're in these meetings. because. Um, when you're parenting and displaying a child and they're coming up with consequences, you recognize very quickly the consequence, meaning like the something happens at one point and there's a, a sequence of events that happens from that point. So usually something will happen with Jade and I, and it'll be something seeming so trivial or small. It's probably one of us will be unconscious of it and the other will somewhat notice it. And then it'll kind of, it's like a snowball going down the hill and it'll start getting a little bigger. Something will happen. We cross each other in the hallway. Maybe I didn't kiss or snug or smack her ass. And then it's like, well, what does that mean? And then maybe 
when I'm opening the door, I do a little joke and okay, that means something where otherwise another day it would be really funny. Ha ha. And it's figuring out where the root of whatever the activated something in each other. Well, you're able to always feel that if you're always cleansing your palate, you could always, you can always taste that something new just like entered your aura. What is that? Wasabi? Wasabi. Yeah, wasabi. Um, if you can hear the kids in the background, it's like Judd said, they're, they are here and they are home. I can hear them. So just wanted to remind of that and apologize for uh, if that's distracting. Um, and bless their hearts. They're doing well so far. Yeah. Given the discipline that they've been through today. I do want to say that um, when we are on it with team meetings, um, and really like, cause sometimes, I mean, even if we do them weekly, one week, we may do them Sunday. And then that next week we can't get to it till Thursday. So there's been 10 days when we are like really disciplined and we don't let more than seven days go by, um, our communication and our connection is so much smoother. And those little things do roll off so much more because there is this like, um, level of safety, security, and trust that comes with, um, like that consistent feeling of a teammate. And it's not that, not that we're not teammates when we don't have it, but it's sometimes we forget that we're on the same team and like that coming so regularly and so frequently, I feel like it really keeps us in that heart space. Yes. I, one thing that came alive for me, everyone, uh, when I'm speaking, when, when, I believe that's the true marks. We were talking about femininity and masculinity, which isn't specific to male, female. I want to be specific when I say true, I feel the divine feminine, if I'm going to be kind of obnoxious with the woo-woo, I believe the essence of divine feminine is I'm always looking out for you as much as myself. Equal parts. I want you to have an awesome time and me to have an awesome time. Because well, the divine feminine is all about relationship. It's like her purpose. Yeah. And masculinity is usually I'm going to win and I don't give a shit if your face is in the mud. <laughs> and that's how I lived most of my life as a competitor and uh, making sure because that's where we're always needing to be right. When we're talking about talking over each other, I know the moment one of us are talking over each other is we forgot the win win because we just need to be heard. We don't feel like we're being heard. We need our point to get across. And usually there's an essence of like, I think or believe I'm right. And there's no like right and wrongs. There's just, hey, how do you feel? What do you need? Do you not feel safe right now? Is there a lack of love right now? What would you need to get back to that center and that foundation? So then, because whatever we're talking about is not even really relevant because those needs are lacking. So I'm constantly reminding myself, and this is why it's so difficult in team meeting or otherwise, not to take it personal. I am is so quick for me to default to what did I do wrong? I'm not enough. She's telling me I'm not enough. When it's the absolute opposite. Maybe Jay doesn't feel like she's enough and she's expressing something to me and she doesn't feel safe to actually let go and be herself. And now I'm taking it personal, making it about me. I think the fingers being pointed at me that I'm not doing something right. And now I need to point out how wrong she is for doing this or whatever. And that's where the loops start. But if you're constantly cleansing that each week, 
and making sure that you have both of you in your center. And when those little things come up, you can either discuss them in the moment or you can write them down and be like, I'm going to put a pin in this because I know Sunday I have a safe place to discuss this and I'm able to actually breathe into this. Yeah, that is, that is a rule that we came up with is like, if it's going to cause an instant disconnect, then we bring it up then. Um, but if it's something that we can wait until team meeting, and I will say like the longer we've been together, the more everything can wait for team meeting. But in the beginning, there were t- things that like, well, this, uh, like this story we shared earlier um, about, um, you know, things being said and maybe someone trying to keep us apart. Like that was something that needed to be brought up sooner. Mm -hmm. So if it's something that's going to cause like an instant disconnect because the goal is connection, then we make time for it then. Because usually those are the things that are your deepest wounds, Mm. right? Because usually what I found with most human beings, you get together and you have these wounds and you're trying to cover them up yourself because you want to act like oh, the wounds aren't that bad. I, I'm I'm over that other person or what they did or what they said. And then your partner, your new partner, that's all like it's fresh, it's beautiful. All they do is rub up against that wound and immediately it's like they did it. And all they did was rub up against a wound they didn't even know was there. Mm-hmm. And so it's really quick to default that you wounded me but you're ignoring this thing that hurts so bad. So your mind's got to make logic out of why you're so upset. So it's this constant finger pointing and that's when the loops start. Yeah. Um, So a couple of things that we have um, worked out that we did not do in the beginning that have um, made the process more smooth for us is that we, we make sure that when we begin, um, we sink our breaths. We take 10, the 10 deep. Yeah. 10 count breaths basically yes um all the way into the belly and we're doing it together so we're sinking it together i like to visualize as the feminine um uh like a if you were to think of the sun as gold and the moon as silver um i think of the feminine as very soft softening um and Taoist, like Taoism teaches that like up the front and down the back is like a softening, a surrendering. So for me, I like to visualize um, like a silver light going up each chakra, up the front, and then down the back. So that's what I do. That, um, that is beautiful, baby. So I love that perspective. Everybody out there, that if that didn't resonate, because I think it's beautiful. Well, so just to add, uh, Taoism also teaches that like if it's if it's not surrender and softening that you need, if it's like strength. Like maybe you really need strength to like believe in your relationship or whatever it is. It would be up the back and down the front. And if you're needing more masculine energy, it would be um, like the golden sun uh, visualization of the chakras. But okay, whatever you're going to say. Well, I go nose to belly, in through the nose, usually out through the mouth. But what I do is we're obviously going to do a 10 count, long 10 count inhale, long count exhale but i i see the different lobes of my lungs like that's how i really ground in my body and i make sure that there's any tension within my body is immediately liberated so i'm starting on the front lower lobes that are going to be right above my my diaphragm but right at the base of my rib cage And so usually like if I have my hands on Jade, I'll squeeze or touch those areas and I'll say lower front. And so we'll do it 
a 10 in and 10 out. And then I'll say lower side. And that's right. The base of the rib cage to the side. And then I'll say like the back and then I'll, I'll move up to like the middle chest, then the sides, then the middle back. And then usually it's around the clavicle through your neck and then under the armpits and then like the back of the neck. And so what this does to me is all the glands from my pineal gland to all the way from my throat, heart, all the way down, all the glands following. I feel that once all that's released and the rib cage is told that you can expand and it's safe to expand, then everything internally is going to say, okay, it's safe mm-hmm. just to be here. And just as Jade is saying, like with that, that rhythm of up the front, up the back, that's usually my rhythm with Tai Chi. And so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm doing that different form, but I'm just doing one big, long, uh, 10 breaths to ensure that all my lobes are open. My lungs are free to expand. And that means all my organs and every single cell in my body says it's safe to be here. Mm-hmm. So I'm fully present. And the goal is that if we start talking over each other, um, because it means that we're no longer listening um, or we're, we're feeling eager to be heard. Um, the goal is that we stop the conversation and we do that breath again to bring us back into a regulated state. Um, so it's really important that we start with regulation. If we start raising our voices or talking over each other, we get back to that regulation. And then something that we have also um, worked out a kink with is that um, never having the team meetings while, unless we're like well fed, well rested, and hopefully ideally well fucked. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, there's, there's past a certain time of day where we both know hormonally it's not a time to really create for us. We're, We're very passionate in creating either first thing in the morning in the AM or right before the gym, after the gym usually doesn't happen past 1 PM, especially if we're with the kids. Mm-hmm. And so we've entrained ourselves to go with that flow. And so suddenly getting into a team meeting would be out of that flow because yeah. it, it is work. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, is, well, it's that when you're tired, it's easier to get triggered. Yes. Um, let's see. Uh, and, and, I believe that's every single time we've ever gone to like 10 days before we've had a team meeting is because we kept checking in with ourselves. Like, what about today? It's like, honey, I'm exhausted. Like not only did we go to the gym, but yeah. you know, one of the kids had that fit and uh, I haven't eaten yet or whatever it is. And look at the time. Yeah. Because we found out the hard way. I think we tried to do a, was a 7 PM or 8 PM yeah. team meeting. And it wasn't enough because if that team meeting does end well, like that's the prayer that you're, you're feel deeper connected. That's not always going to be the case. I promise. Well, and so that's the other thing is like, we have had team meetings. Uh, we have only had one where, uh, we did end completely disconnected and it took days to get back into homeostasis. But for the most part, all of our team meetings, um, I'm actually excited about because I do feel like we'll be more connected after, but there has been a few where at the end it was like, uh, this, I, this feels still feels heavy or this doesn't feel good. Or I don't feel like this was completely resolved, but like we're at our 90 minutes and I have to go get the kids or we have to, whatever it is. And, um, in that, I do feel like we were really good at sensing that in each other and jumping back on the phone 
and like not even though 90 minutes had passed we jumped back on the phone when we were not living together and made sure that we were actually connected yeah this is a long distance scenario so it was really paramount yeah um I do feel to add to that, um, that's when we figured out one of the most important aspects of team meeting, whatever's on your list, pick the most, mm -hmm. uh, if it's an intense topic, pick that one first. Yeah. And if that is, you don't want to end with that. If that is all you work out in 90 minutes, uh, God bless you. Because, um, like an idiot, I've had moments where we were talking about something really intense. We weren't completely work through it. Um, and then I want to go down my checklist and make sure, well, Oh, we got this other thing. I got this other thing. Oh, we're good. We, we cleared that up. And then we get off the phone and I just added another pile of shit yeah. <laughs> on some, you know, some, uh, some wounds like those, those wounds, when they get opened, uh, it's time for, absolute care and kindness and attention to this is what's activating it. So this is the only thing that matters. So list goes to the side. This is what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. This isn't a time to ignore it or wait another week. Yeah. Let's so, get into this baby. Yeah. yeah. So heaviest topic to lightest topic. And it, I mean, most of the time those topics will move to the next week. And then sometimes you'll realize by that next week, like, eh, this actually isn't really an issue. And you take I've taken so many things off my list because in the moment they felt like such a big deal. And then by the time we were actually mating or maybe because my hormones, I was in a different hormonal cycle. It just felt like eh, this isn't actually relevant or worth bringing up. So you'll find that as well. The benefit of listing heaviest to lightest is that those lightest may even fall off. I will. Okay. So sometimes when I say things on my list, uh, Jay gets a little freaked out. Like, what does that mean? I'm like, baby, I put things that are just like, seeming so trivial and it's like do I want to be in our heads right now and talk about this or is this feels not even serious it just feels more analytical or teachy or like work when I want to play right now those are the sometimes the things I put on my list they'll go way at the bottom and so naturally usually if we're talking about the most important thing each week three weeks later it would probably normally just come up in conversation and I can check that off the mm -hmm. list uh, but I just keep putting them further and further down until we're both in such a playful state of being and mm -hmm. it, it doesn't matter. It's just like, yeah. oh yeah, I had this idea. What do you think? Um, I do want to, before we close off this topic, I want to acknowledge um, just um, gratitude for how you have not only introduced that idea, but like held that vision throughout the relationship um, and not let it slip. Um, there's been plenty of times where, uh, I have tried to just be like, Hey, why don't we do a 15 minute, um, like check-in each week. That's just 15 minutes. And it was like, it just didn't flow with that relationship because we were so not a team. It was like, we lived parallel lives. And I really um, want to acknowledge just how grateful I am that not only are we so aligned and so much a team, but that you have led us, um, so intentionally with these team meetings because it's made a, a huge difference and not only in our relationship but in my own nervous system i remember oh, thank you baby the same for me Ray. i uh early on you were very thankful that i was adamant that we did it once a week because i just i knew i was like when i find my person this is 
this is what I'm going to commit to. And this is what I know, like I feel in my heart will benefit us and set us up for success when not many things out there are set up to really facilitate and help relationships go stronger. It's usually so many things uh, that are trying to get in the way and distract us from actually connecting with each other. And so I was adamant and you were grateful. And then I started realizing how it switched. And when I was taking care of my mom and then my things happened to my condo and then I moved in and um, we're traveling. Uh, Jade was the one that was adamant. Um, hey, we haven't done a team meeting. We're past seven days. Um, there was about a month there where you were really keeping us on track. And I, I've never had that before where I felt that it was, it was a win-win just in my partner stepping up and not saying like making me wrong for not keeping us on track. It was like, Oh, I see what's going on and Hey baby, I want to keep us on track. Mm -hmm. And that means the world to me that it doesn't always fall on my shoulders. And I am a very disciplined person and I'm always going to do what I say I'm going to do. And having a partnership and my best friend remind me that, hey, I'm going to make sure that we're going to do what we say we're going to do without this guilt or shame, but just keeping us on track. I just want to acknowledge that of how beautiful that's been. Oh, you got it. We did, uh, we did record a couple of them. And the one that we recorded in India is my favorite because it was, it was just really sweet and vulnerable and equal parts. Um, I felt like it was a, it was a great team meeting example. Um, I think there was a time where we had to slow down. And uh, so we'll air that at some point. Um, I don't know on your show or mine, but are we not? <laughs> no, we've done what? Three recorded? Yeah, but the first one okay, is like first a one, really good example. Okay. I mean, we haven't listened to them. So like second one, I feel was about the same. Third one, shit show. Mm -hmm. uh, at one point you're putting down the microphone and I'm just like, I'm like, is it? disrespectful for you to be crying and me kind of like be putting my microphone to <laughs> your face. <laughs> like, I don't like, I want you to have your moment. Still and we only work. recorded these because we want, we want people to have an actual example of how these go. Cause we know how beneficial they are. But at some point we may air that, that first one, possibly the second one. I don't know, but, um, <laughs> the, but the third one be edited to all hell. The other one's <laughs> never going. <out. laughs> um, but let us know, babe. Uh, they can go to your website to get a like breakdown of yeah drjudd.com so drjud.com i have my top five to actually bring family unity in the home so if you're a new couple if you're a couple that's married thinking about having kids um if you're a couple that already has kids at any age especially teenagers really i'm passionate about them. that's where i put like my decades of work so anything involving family a new relationship given or or granted a relationship that's been doing it for a while uh, those are where i have my free guide uh, you can just pop on drjud.com and then you click on throw your email in there and it'll send you uh, that free top five so within the top five i have my parameters that are required for a uh, team meeting to go successfully. So you can at least agree before starting. Usually I recommend uh, 
partner's doing it first. And if you have a teenager, eventually you have at least put 10 weeks under your belt of team meetings. That's why I make my programs 10 weeks. That's kind of the sweet spot where you really start feeling comfortable and in a flow. And when you get in that flow together and you agree to the parameters, then you can start bringing a teenager in and start making agreements to every single thing in the home um, and really coming up with consequences. I'm big on consequences, not as a punishment, as an agreement to um, exactly with the, with the children. With the children um, and, and understanding as a partnership of how you agree to Mm-hmm. how home flows we have a lot of questions about that and uh from the audience so we'll share more on that uh when we answer questions in the next episode but um we i know we need to move on to the next topic the last thing i want to add about team meetings is um eye contact makes a world of a difference i know it's really hard especially for me um i've always struggled with that but stan Tacken, who's uh the guest after our series of the couple's um, episodes talks about how when you are not looking at your partner, uh, your mind actually goes to past memories and you like you mentally see them different. So like keeping eye contact uh, really does keep you connected. So tune into that episode in the future because he goes really deep on that. That's a important, it's an important practice. I feel this is worth two minutes on or one 30 seconds, just that, um, I can feel when Jade's leaving and going to, to her mind, like say we've talked about an intense concept and the default is to analyze it and try to decipher like, what does she need to fear? How does she implement this? It's some new information that she's afraid of and she'll start looking down at the ground. And I've just, I've learned just to gently put my hand on your leg or to grab your hand or just really soften my mm-hmm. tone and say, baby, come back to me. Like, will you look me in the eyes just for a second? We start crying and just eye gazing or whatever it is, but stay right here. And usually there'll be a default to look back down again and say, baby, like, come here, come here, come back to me. Like, let's stay right here. Uh, we don't have to figure anything out right now. All we're doing is expressing our needs, what's on our hearts, what we're afraid of. Nothing has to be, this isn't solution time where you got to figure out, there's no like, oh, let's figure out the answers in 90 minutes. It's like, no, let me just hear your perspective. Mm -hmm. Let me just understand where you're coming from. And we, that's a whole nother episode of us explaining how we do that, because that's a whole nother style of communication that both Jade and I have experienced together. We have our own unique formula that comes together when we are in team meeting that's a whole nother episode. Yeah. I'm, re- I'm really thankful that you do that, babe. It, it reminds me that I'm safe. And I mean, it makes me emotional just to hear you talk about. So thank you. I love you. Um, so I want to share, I, I realized that I forgot when we talked about our lovemaking, I forgot like one story that I wanted to share because it was healing for me. And then, um, and then we'll go into our inner child wounds and how we care for those. Um, okay. So are you, do you know what story I'm going to tell? Let's talk about sex, baby. I have no idea. So the first night, so we'd been intimate already, but the first night that I was going to stay the night um, was going to be uh, the night of the Trevor Hall concert, which is like my favorite. It's my favorite artist. He happened to already have tickets uh, like when we met. Love you, Trev. And uh, it's like it was meant to be. Yeah. Um, It's truly like one of my favorite artists. I've always said that um, 
my love is just a reminder that it's like, I mean, it's, oh man. The first song I ever heard of his was, uh, you can't rush your healing. So I highly recommend that one. And then his song, um, uh, my love is just a reminder. It's like the most romantic song. And, um, I've always said that, like, I'm going to walk down the aisle to that one day if, if, if that's my path, but it's, he has a version with East forest that is like, I mean, I go straight into my heart when I listen to it. And so, uh, the fact that like, I don't think it was like, we just met and we asked our favorite artist and I said, Trevor Hall. And he was like, Oh, I have tickets for that. And so that was going to be the first night I stayed the night. And I looked at the calendar at my cycle calendar and I was like, Oh good. I don't start my bleed until five days after that. Or like, it was actually maybe seven days after that. So it was like, perfect. Um, and I'm never early. Sometimes I'm late, but I'm never early. And, uh, so I'm excited and, uh, you know, we lay in his bed. He's got like a EMF protected mattress and, uh, you know, we go to sleep. Concert was great. You know, we're, we're in our new puppy love and I wake up in the morning, we start to make love and he's like, Oh man, he's like, you he's going like, there? baby, <laughs> yes, it's funny. He's like, baby, you're so what? Is this a morning thing? Like, Honey, it's I know I'm the shit. But like, <laughs> and I have never, I don't think I've told you this before, but I've never, I I don't think I had ever honestly had morning sex. And so like, no, I don't think so. Like, cause I always, I remember like, I've always like desired that. And it's never been like, that's just never been the relationship type relationship I've been in. So anyhow. I'll make love to you in the time of day, baby. Thanks, baby. So anyhow, he's like, baby, is this a morning thing? You're so wet. And I was like, I don't know. And then he's like, it's gushing out of you. And the You're moment welcome. he said gushing or flowing, it's flowing out of you. Whatever he said, what, gushing or flowing, I was like, oh no. And I knew it was blood. And then like, sure. I was like, oh my God. He's like, what? And I was like, I think I'm, I think I'm bleeding. And he was like, yep. yeah that's what's happening but it was what was so healing for me is that um it was so sweet like you you instantly put your hand on my heart and like one hand on my face and you were like everything's perfect you're perfect um you said something like you're just uh you said something really sweet like you're just uh announcing your arrival or something like sweet I don't remember what it was but I remember thinking like oh poetry (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you're just letting me know you've arrived or something. And uh, you're like, I'm going to go downstairs. <laughs> yeah, you're, playing, you're, you're marking your territory. <laughs> you're like, I'm going to go downstairs and get what you need. Um, you know, like, get what you need feminine wise. And you just get in the shower and rinse off. Everything's great. And it, it I don't know, for some reason for me, that felt really um, connecting. And it did feel like... Um, uh, you know, like there are so many ancient, uh, views and perspectives on a woman's bleed and how it's, um, it's anointing. There's like so many different, uh, perspectives of how it's holy. And it did feel like, um, I don't know, it did feel like a part of that. And instead of him freaking out or being grossed out or, um, freaking, freaking out about his bedding, um, it, it almost felt like, like we grew closer um, and that, you know, we'd only known each other. Maybe it, was a hum- it was a human playful moment. Yeah. Where we could both like. And now I paint your face with it. <laughs> to move on. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about inner child. Um, 
Okay. So my inner child wounding, um, I call her being left in the field. And I've shared this story on the podcast before on the, uh, I think on the mama Gina and then on the boundary boss episode, um, where I had a caregiver, um, driving me down a dark road. Um, it was in, we lived in an apartment, but it was in an undeveloped area. So you're driving down a dark road. There's a, there's a field on the right of us. And I'm like three years old and I'm freaking out. I'm crying. Who knows why I'm three during a tantrum. And the caregiver says, if you don't stop screaming, I'm going to throw you out of this car. And that freaked me out more. Um, you'd think that it would make me scared and I'd be quiet, but I actually started to panic and cry harder. And so the caregiver did pull over and take me out of the car. And I remember being in the middle of that field and it was so dark, there wasn't any light. And I remember thinking that that caregiver was never coming back, that either a bad man was going to get me or an animal was going to get me, or I was going to die there alone. And I, I mean, I was only three and I remember these thoughts clearly. And I remember crying so hard that I couldn't breathe. And that's all that I remember. I don't remember my caregiver coming back. I don't know if I cried from exhaustion. Obviously, my caregiver did come back, but I don't know why that part of the story is missing. Um, My work in my um, own inner child healing uh, that I guide clients through is to always meet the little girl in the field when she is panicking. Cause like in the past, if my, uh, you know, a manager was, um, you know, saying that maybe I was going to lose my job or if I was fighting with a partner and they wouldn't answer my calls or, um, maybe if I was ghosted or whatever it was, um, I would become that little girl in the field where I was so abandoned and I was terrified. And so my work has been, um, whenever I get in that state, to visualize myself, my adult woman, my wise woman, um, my, my inner child's, uh, divine mother walking into that field, picking up that little girl and telling her that she's never going to be alone again. She doesn't have to fear that she's safe. She will never be abandoned. And I ask her, um, where she wants, uh, to live and in my, um, in my heart. And I create this like play place for her where she can. And it took a lot of those practices before she even trusted me to, uh, leave the field with me or to let me hold her in the field. Um, and so, um, that has been my practice. And, uh, I remember the first time I did it while, uh, with Judd being my partner, I remember doing this visualization and sometimes I'll see Mary Magdalene join me there. Sometimes I'll see Jesus join me there. But I remember uh, the first time doing it with Judd as my partner, seeing Judd there with me and it hit me like, oh, wow, my partner doesn't leave me in the field. And if there is ever a time that I do feel left in the field, he quickly does turn around. And, um, and that was so healing for me because I had never experienced that in another human, um, not even in a caregiver. So that's my inner child wounding. Uh, I call her, I, I call it being left in the field, but it's basically um, an abandonment wound, um, being left behind. The main thing is really that my needs are too much because the whole reason why I was abandoned is because I was crying. So my emotions are too much. My needs are too much and, uh, I'll be left because of them. Um, and Judd knows that, um, wounding very well. Do you want to share yours or you can either share something about mine or you can just share yours. And then we talk about how we care for those. 
I feel mine's relevant. Um, sometimes mine's not as uh, clean and simple, for lack of a better word. Um, mine's not as direct. That's not my only one. That's my yeah, main yeah, one. Yeah, that's your main one. Yeah, I think we all have a couple. <laughs> yeah, we all have. Uh, that's what I'm talking about. It's a wound. Like something happened too fast, too soon. It was too much to handle for our nervous system. And so from that point on, there's almost a split in how you see yourself in that moment. And then after what happened, and usually our young minds developmentally can't accept what happened. And we've never been able to process what happened or talk about it or speak it out loud. And so that's just stuck in our nervous system. And so we haven't retrained ourselves how to breathe. So anything that simulates even the sensations or something that is said, it doesn't even have to be something that seems like it even hardly correlates to what happened. It just has to, to activate that part of you and make that come alive. It is, it's like you're back there in that field. And for me, I have this very unique, almost trifecta of things that happened in my life of when I was nine being sexually abused and then having thoughts and feelings of suicide and I accidentally shut, shot the gun off in the floor, um, and I was punished uh, very um, strongly um, by my father when I I didn't feel safe and I was scared and I didn't know how to communicate what was happening to me. And so he didn't know. And so he was so scared that I shot the gun off on the floor. So I'm being punished when I'm in this place. And then shortly thereafter, I was taken to a military academy to be raised. So then it's the, I don't belong. I'm not good enough. And I need to prove my worth to come back into the fold or be a part of the community again. So I'm constantly trying to prove my worth uh, to never be uh, left behind or put on the outside or show that I belong. And so um, a lot of times with Jade or I or other people, I'll feel like people are trying to put me on the outside and that feels like an attack to my entire nervous system and that I need to like really get strong, puff up my confidence and I can only do it by myself. And so this is um, very unique, especially ever since my dad's death and that healing of where those wounds were healed. But then the identity of who I was before that happened as a child and then the identity afterwards is really exposed because then I have no story of abandonment from my father. I have no story of abuse. I have no story of rejection. I have no story of things that shouldn't happen. It all happened. I see how it happened. But what do you do for, with that information if that's always been who you are and now you're something different? You're not what happened to you. You are who you are right now. And so mm -hmm. if your nervous system's resetting, you're constantly recalibrating the human experience, mm -hmm. being driven by a soul's purpose. So um, my default is to always go to, um, I feel like I'm being sent away or put on the outside or that I'm not good enough. And so I need to prove that I'm good enough or someone's telling me that I'm not good enough. So the threat is... I'm going to be put on the outside. Yeah. And something that I really want my love um, and this home to heal for you is you having so much 
peace in our relationship and in our home that there's never a thought of a possibility that you could be put on the outside or that you're in trouble, um, that you can be sent away or that you're going to be punished. Um, you're going to be left behind in any way. That is the goal and how I love you. And um, you have been so great at um, when we are in conflict, uh, you saying, we're going to work through this together. We're going to figure this out. And even if you do need a little bit of space from the conflict, you say, you do let me know that you're, this is important to you and you're going to come back to it. And, um, and that has been really healing for me, but, uh, that is something that I want my, my love to heal. Uh, yeah, it never long, gets, never gets you. lost on me how serious it is. And I won't come back like it never happened. And it's not, I'm avoiding, I'm not ignoring, I'm not running away. I'm stepping away so I can actually calm myself, recenter and be my truest self. I can mm -hmm. be my embodied self of someone that's able to think clearly, feel clearly and communicate, communicate clearly, not from place of reaction, but actually a, a responsible place. Like I have the ability to respond softly, kindly and be in tune to what you need while I've stepped away to meet my own needs. That's the only reason why I step away. I'm going to go meet my needs. I'm going to connect to my needs. And then I'm going to make sure I feel safe. I feel loved. I've given myself that. So then you can't give something to your partner that you don't have for yourself. If you don't know how to give that to yourself, then basically you're just acting like you care. And part of the, both of those core wounds is around not enoughness. And um, I know between us, I I truly believe in each other's eyes towards the other. There's no such thing as not enoughness. Um, we just haven't come to believe it in our own, uh, like the way we see ourselves fully, um, because it's new and it's, um, uh, that's why it's so surprising sometimes because the way sometimes we can project on with a projections, a story, right. That we have, that we put onto someone else. My story is that, Jade, how could you ever be insecure about the way you look or uh, that I don't love you or that do I love you enough or all the above that comes with it? That It shocks me because I projected onto you that you should see or understand or feel how I feel about you. Mm -hmm. And that's just not the case. Like that's the part of the wounding, right? So it's like almost saying like, hey, like, I don't see your wounds like, cause it really negates your wounds. It negates the little girl out there in the field that's scared. And it's like, well, it's not about me. Yes. I see like all of the attributes and the beautiful things that you bring to this world. And I feel that you should see that I see it, that you should see it yourself. <clears throat> well, not when you're wounded, not when you're scared, not when you don't feel safe, not when you don't feel loved. And it doesn't mean that I'm not giving you those things. It just means something's happening and it's throwing everything off and you're scared. Yeah. And that does remind me, um, like the first time that you actually said that to me, um, we, we had gotten into conflict. Um, we were talking about an ex and, um, it felt like for me that you were, um, saying that she, you know, had this gift that is a gift that I feel insecure on. And so, it, you know, you felt freely to speak it. And I felt like it was um, 
like, um, inconsiderate because you knew that like, I was insecure about that myself. And like, what you said was like, it's hard for me to even wrap my mind around the fact that like, you would be insecure about that or that you would have jealousy towards this person because like I say to you, no one holds a candle to you. And, um, when you said that it did it, like if I, I internalized it a different way because I do feel that way about you. And, um, it is, uh, like everyone in the, um, in my history is hard for me to even remember, like, that's how big you are to me. And so, but I remember the reason why it reminded me of that story as well is because I had gotten so angry and, um, I was, I was, uh, very, I think you said feisty, um, and I remember after, like when I, we, you know, we were holding each other within five minutes of the conflict ending, we were holding each other and kissing and apologizing and, um, saying the sweet things, like the thing that I just shared that you said. And I remember you saying like, wow, you got really fiery there. Um, and I was like, I know I'm sorry. And you said, no, um, like I can hold it, like, get it out. Don't hold that in. I can hold it, get it out. and that was such, that was so beautiful to me to know that like my emotions were not too big. Even my anger was not too big. Um, and at the same time, there is this like new age perspective of like, can he hold my collie? Like, can he, like, uh, can he hold space for my big emotions? And a lot of times it's unintegrated trauma that we're like throwing at men to see if they'll waver and to see if they can handle it it's and it's but it's toxic and it's unhealthy it can be um it's one thing to have pain in your heart of like a situation that just came alive for you and for you to speak it um without um without like uh with with um responsibility and 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 like um ownership of like, this is not, you're not throwing your unintegrated trauma on the person. You're speaking the pain of your heart in this moment of what just happened. And, um, yeah, I'm just going to go on a little rant. I, I, uh, or maybe, maybe not. I love that moment because there's so many different aspects of what that taught me, what was possible. Cause I'd heard of very healthy dynamics that work through things in conflict and argued in a healthy way. And what Jay just taught, like touched on was so often we have deep wounding that we're just spewing at someone else and making them wrong. And then when they're sick of like people get sick, it's very personal to be told like you're doing wrong and you're the reason why it's wrong. And the other person is taking zero responsibility and they're just basically teeing off on you. And then walk away like, oh, they just can't handle all my fieriness. Or like, like calling it your wild feminine or your inner collie, like putting the spiritual lingo on it to make it okay. When really it's, it's hurting the other person. It's, it's dumping your shit out on them. Um, response, you're just reacting and it's your inner child. And if you're not going to take responsibility for your inner child and that's not in your agreement, then you're just basically dumping your work on someone else's lap and saying it's their their responsibility responsibility your ability to respond that means you calm yourself that moment i was sitting across i was doing the dishes 
I got a little bit loud. <clears throat> Jay walked away and I was doing my deep breaths and it was, she walked away long enough for me to get my 10 breaths to me to reset. Like, Oh my goodness. And that's what I did in the other room as well. <laughs> she did it just long enough to be like, I need to get this point across. I did it just long enough to be like, okay, there's a need here. I feel safe. I'm okay. So whatever I prepare myself, whatever she comes around that corner with and she needs to unload, give her that gift. And Jay came around the corner and started just fucking tearing into me and started getting loud, but she's never really done that to that level. And I was just like, wow, everything in my heart. Cause I kept my heart open. It was like, all right, this isn't the norm. This isn't how she's communicated before. Obviously she feels safe enough to do this. And uh, I don't feel threatened by it because we've had a foundation that we just know that we're not going to dump each other's shit on each other and that you're upset and I'm here for it. She has a need. She has a need to feel loved right now. She has a need to feel safe. I've given that to myself. So one of us can be grounded and I can hold this. That's what everybody's talking about. And it's like one of the first time in my life I truly experienced it. And then after Jay got it out, I didn't say shit. I didn't talk shit. I said, honey, my energy is coming back down. I hear everything you say. This is what I just heard you say. If you want to be upset, I'm still here for it. I'm not saying that you need to be fine right now. All I'm saying is that you're heard. Is there anything else you want me to hear? And if you got to yell it, it's okay. It doesn't scare me right now. That's not, that's not the norm. Like that's, that's scary. That's a place that you really need to work on your shit and be with a person where you have foundation with them. You know that they're willing to do their own self work. You do your self work and you have agreements to how you communicate. It's just, that's when all the work we had done really started to blossom and pay off. And so Jade took the fangs out eventually. And like, I didn't feel wounded. I didn't feel scared. And then probably 10 minutes later, we're cuddling and holding each other on the floor and uh, I said, baby, this is a real moment that I'm never going to forget. We were just arguing and now we're cuddling and we f I feel safe. It's not that very scary relationship where someone starts yeah. dumping their shit on you and then acting like nothing happened. That's fucking terrifying. Yeah. Uh, and I don't allow it to happen with the or children. Or like the chaos brought you closer because you bond through the chaos. Yeah. It wasn't that at all. Not that at all. No, it, but you, you did soothe my heart. Like you comforted me and let me know that what you said was not how I took it. Um, I think the, the saying was what I've said to you too, is like, no one holds a candle to you. Like there, you soothed my heart and you let me get it out knowing that like, ultimately my desire was for us to connect again. Um, you know, our default isn't to start fucking screaming. Right. And in past dynamics, I remember anytime my voice would start going, it's because I just felt like, where's the responsibility here? I'm sitting here breathing and someone's talking shit to me about how wrong I am or how I need to change. So then my little boy feels like I'm not enough and I'm taking it personal. There goes the loop. And we're able to see each other's loop, see each other's inner child, see each other's wounding. And one of us, <laughs> one of us is able to be responsible. One of us is able to react. You need one. It's that's the, that's the yin yang. That's the masculine feminine. And I am so blessed in that moment that like the divine spirit, God, whatever you want to call it, infinite possibilities put on my heart, shut up, stand here, listen, not take it really be open to receiving. 
And that's the difference. There's a difference between taking someone's shit and then actually receiving what's on their heart, even if they're yelling while they're saying it. I was able to decipher because I just, my foundation was strong and calm. Mm -hmm. And without saying, baby, calm your tits. That's just <laughs> not, not going to work in that moment. Never so. works. <laughs> um, so I want to, I'm, I'm hoping that we have time to talk about India before we need to go cook dinner for the children. But um, I do want to talk about, um, you know, one of your main fears, because we're just, we got into this because we're talking about inner child wounding. One of your main fears was being controlled. Oh, um, yeah. And so I felt really scared to ever seem controlling, which made me feel like I couldn't express needs. Um, and that was really hard. You know, that's really hard to feel like you can't express a need or else you'll um, seem controlling. And so that was like something that we really worked out with our incredible therapist, um, therapy has made all the difference for us. And we got in that like, two months into our relationship. So big advocates of therapy, obviously you're a therapist, but um, I think that that's the dynamic in a lot of relationships. I know for me in past relationships, I had a very big flag that was like, you will not control me. And if a partner told me not to do something, I would make sure that I did it a hundred percent. Yeah. And, and I'll show you. And, um, because I grew up in a very uh, dogmatic church, that was another wounding of mine is like being controlled and being everything being dictated from how my hair was to what I was, just all of it. And so to eat, to wear, everything, everything. Yeah. Um, and so, and I know that's how military Academy was for you. And so I know um, it is often in dynamics, at least one person is fearing control. And for us, that did feel like an intimacy blocker because I was nervous to express needs because I didn't want to seem controlling and you were in fear of control. And so um, I think it would be healing for the listeners to heal here um, how you let go of that fear and began to trust that I am never trying to control you. Um, there are, I'm sure people out there listening that need discernment to know when someone is manipulative and trying to control. Um, but there are people out there, I'm sure that are listening that feel I have a fear of control or I have a tendency to control. So I think it'd be healing uh, to hear your process. And then um, hopefully we can cover India after that. Yeah. Let me sit with that for a second. First thing that comes to mind is um, recognizing each other's default. If you're in an analytical state of mind, likely means you're ruminating over something. So you're obsessing a uh, huge part of control. Uh, if you, we're going to get obnoxious with diagnostics is OCD tendencies. I was able to hide those in plain sight growing up in a military academy because the military handbook um, that you're given on your desk at 12 to 18 is like a catalog of OCD. It might as well be called the OCD manual because it's how you fold your clothes, the two fingers spacing in between your, your hangers on the wall locker, between how you spit shine your shoes, the exact measurements with pictures of how your bed is made, all military corners, um, waxing your floor, every single detail of your room and your uniform that is being to be inspected every single day. So like six years of that, like training where you feel like, you're constantly grasping for any illusion of control or at any moment you can be in trouble, lose your leave, 
have a, a rifle in your hand with fatigues and combat boots marching all day long with someone. I mean, there was a point in seventh grade where like I had this breaking point where I actually learned meditation for the first time to go to another place when I was made to stand at attention facing the wall because it was raining outside. We couldn't march in the rain to stand there. And I think it was around six and a half hours straight. So if, so each tour is an hour. And if I was to deviate whatsoever where I looked or out my peripheral or even moved because I had a scratch or an itch, then all my tours of that day didn't count. And uh, I was right back to square one. And so I learned how to go to another place. Well, that can be healthy and it cannot because a lot of times I'll go to another place and I need to be brought back here in my human body because I'm trying to escape. I feel a lot of us uh, are trying to escape and that's how we avoid either through drinking, either through some type of drug, or it be THC, whether it can be ecstasy, whether it can be food, whether it can be wine, whatever it is, there's something that usually we're putting into distract, numb, avoid, which all lead to addiction because we feel like the illusion of control is slipping out of our grasp. And when I say addiction, what I'm talking about is you do something that feels good. It has a negative consequence, but shit, I can't stop. So there the roller coaster goes. And so usually it's because you feel like your life is out of control and you feel like life is happening to you and not for you. And so if life is always happening to you, then you're usually in a victim mindset and your nervous system set to protect. And so all your internal organs are in freeze. Usually you're breathing out of your chest. And usually that all has to do with your fear of needing control, being controlled and the atmosphere to which you've created is giving you the opportunity to face all that, but you're wanting to, or needing to, or feeling like you have to numb within that atmosphere. So a lot of people are in relationships, but they're constantly intoxicated on something to avoid, distract, or ignore what's really happening. And so uh, that element of control that's how it shows up with me. I'm dead sober all the time. Uh, I'm going to say that really, I said the term obnoxious earlier. This is going to be really obnoxious. I am high on life. I'm high on love in our relationship. It is taking me decades to face all the unmet needs for safety and love within myself to be present enough and want to escape this reality. And escape the reality of what happened in the past so I can be present so I can create the future of my choosing. I'm in control of that because I step into the unknowns constantly. And that is faith to have faith is to let go to the unknowns. If you knew exactly what was going to happen, which is an element of needing control, then you would require no faith. And I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about having faith in something larger than yourself recognizing that we are more wave than particle and staying in a state of being instead of a, a constant state of doing. So I'm going to shut up there. Well, so um, baby, can you share, cause you still came in with that fear into our relationship. Can you share your process for how 
you let that go and that blockage removed in our connection. First thing that comes to mind is my freedom to be me and grieve. I never had the freedom to fully express me without needing to be something else, without being told that I was, a lot of us say there were too much. I think it's, I always felt the need to be something other than I wasn't. So I needed to step up constantly. So if I can, for the first time in my life, actually be vulnerable and say, this is what I'm struggling with and I'm not at full capacity and be accepted for that. That allows me not to feel like I have to have the answers and control everything. Because it's so easy, especially as a man to want to present your best and highest and truest self to a woman that you're craving, that you're excited about, that you see infinite possibility with. How are you going to let go to infinite possibility if you're stuck in a place of needing to control and needing to lie to yourself about where you really are currently, whether it's your finances, whether it's something from your past that you don't want them to know, whether it's something people are saying about you currently. Uh, we ran into that with like past relationships and people trying to dog me. And it's like, that is, that's the human components that we usually run from, distract ourselves and avoid. And I felt completely accepted and free to be me so I could share my heart. I could cry. We watched that show, This Is Us, and it's so deep in grief and death. And so I was able to relive all the moments with my father's death and our relationship and my siblings' relationships and what it's been like to grieve and be accepted in my grief with arms full of like wide open and be in these shows and cry and that deposit and just lose myself in tears. And, uh, that is something I never had. People did not understand it, uh, what I needed. And so when I had that need met for one of the, the first time in my life in relationship to be fully expressed, fully me, then what do I need to control? What is there to obsess about? What is there to avoid or distract myself from? It's like I can keep sharing and sharing and sharing. And when that's every bit of me is accepted, it's like, well, hell, there's no running here. There's like only option is to keep stepping up and keep going deeper. Just keep your heart open because that gives me that gave me the freedom to open my heart without feeling like I need to close off control, think about what variables could go wrong. How do I need to protect myself? How do I need to, just like we started off this one, like how do I need to stay in my analytical mind and think of an exit strategy? There's none of that. So can I share the answer that I thought you were going to give? <laughs> <laughs> we had an so, agenda here apparently. No, I mean, that's not, that wasn't what I what I witnessed for it, from my perspective. Um, that's beautiful that that it was your experience. I didn't realize that's what was unfolding for you. Um, for me, me telling you that my love language is words of affirmation and that I needed words of affirmation um, felt controlling to you because you felt like you were being told what to do. Um, and, uh, having to do something that 
didn't maybe feel organic for you in the moment. Um, and then, so at, like how I started out this question is it made me feel like I can't ask for my needs because then I seemed controlling, which then felt like I was abandoning my, my needs. And so that became a blockage to love and to connection. And what, what I, um, what I saw unfold or what my experience was, um, witnessing you was that in therapy, when we really spoke where your fear of control came from and where my need for words of affirmation came from, um, it, it became obvious that, uh, I, through expressing my needs was, um, just asking for connection. I wasn't trying to, um, I wasn't trying to control you or who you are. I was just asking, um, really to feel your love and to feel connection and to not feel like the little girl in the field. Um, and it seemed like there was a softening in you when you changed your story or when you told yourself another story. Um, and so my hope is that for listeners, they can recognize the story that they're telling themselves, but also say, I can also tell myself another story. And maybe my partner is just trying to connect with me. Does that? No, it's brilliant because that's what, in those moments when I'm not grounded and I don't feel safe, and then my partner comes to me with a need, I made it personal and I suddenly defaulted that I'm not enough. Right. You're not so doing it right. I'm not doing it right. I'm not enough. And so I'm making it about me. I can't center myself or I didn't have the willingness. So I'm reacting. And so now I'm coming up with all my stories of like how I'm so awesome. And so now that's all I'm doing is like, don't I do this? Don't I do this? You do, I'm, do a lot. I'm, yeah. I'm it's awesome. just that my <laughs> words of affirmation is my love language. Yeah. And it's like, you weren't asking me to do more. You were just saying like, Hey, this is a need of mine. And it seemed like so clean cut and simple and an easy request that the moment I take it personal, I'm like, oh, I'm at capacity. I'm doing all I can with you and the kids and everybody and like for my mom and like, I'm I'm just Why do you need to hear it? I'm doing it. Yeah. And I think what I, I learned is to always recognize what your, your efforts and your, like before my request. Otherwise, it's like I'm not seeing your efforts. <laughs> yes. No, I mean, it, it's um, the beauty in all of this is that um, it's a fear of being controlled. That's what you're saying, right? Mm-hmm. And so my fear is that, like, it's a manipulation. Like, you're trying to recondition a lot of people don't like the word manipulation right so that's why even in my teachings i use recognize the manipulations or how we dominate each other with how we raise our voice or how we physically have a presence with someone um how we uh use our words to talk them out of their yes or no well that is a form of control and so like if i have a sensitivity to that because that's how i was raised in military academy Um, then the moment that I feel like my partner is telling me I need to do something extra or more, then I'm taking it personal and saying, well, I'm not doing enough. And now I feel controlled. Uh, You're telling me that I need to do more. I need to do it better. And now it's not just the things that I do. Now it's the things that I need to say 
And it's like, <clears throat> now all my not enoughness is on the table and I'm not present anymore. And now I'm thinking about why you should see your, my perspective instead of having your own. And it's just, there's no empathy bridge. There's no compassion. There's no win-win. I just feel like I'm losing and I'm being told I'm a loser where I feel like I'm giving my best effort. That's the shit where we take it personal and we I go on this loop. If I have a, this theory of being controlled then I'm going to come up and manifest any type of story that proves that story to me, unless I have a default of I'm enough, I'm safe. I'm going to breathe and give myself love. Now I'm going to be present with what my partner says. Oh, my partner has a need. This doesn't actually mean anything about me. This is just my partner wanting to connect at a deeper level through words. Oh, this is an opportunity to work on this part. It doesn't mean I'm doing extra energy. It just means I need to slow down, shut up and listen. You're like, baby, that is not a big deal. You're the sexiest piece of love muffin I've ever seen. And I want to lick over you every day. And I've never seen anyone as beautiful as you. And uh, you're my queen. So get on your knees and let's get at it. That's the only thing. So romantic. <laughs> Baby. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, we Any need of? to go cook dinner. Um, I don't know. Is there parts of India that you would like to share? There was a questions that we'll answer in uh the next episode about how india deepened our relationship but i don't know um do we want to share anything about india right now um after three days you will get tired of garlic naan and uh tikka marsala i don't think that's what they're looking for no you sure okay um okay then no okay I mean, think about it, baby. I mean, India is its own whole podcast. I mean, the the gift in all of India is that, you know, even Kyle, Kyle Kingsbury pointed out yesterday, he and I were speaking and he was like, bro, like that is a form of meditation and ceremony us traveling all over India together. I mean, what, what, what greater opportunity to show a loving couple within the first year that all the work you've done to be self-actualized and to be present in in conflict or distress or in a foreign land together and be a team, yeah, that's you just showed everybody and you showed yourself more importantly that you got this. There's one thing like, yes, house going shit crazy today with the kids and everybody's high emotions and low rest because we stayed up, you know, with dinner, which is a rarity and like all the different things. Those are opportunities within our home, but like take us on the road where we're like sleeping in a, a train to like then on the plane the next day. And then like in a museum and then like all of a sudden in the Ganges of like, I mean, all of it. There's nothing that shows you uh, your truest and rawest self than being in a foreign land and uh, not having this identity of who or what you should be there. 
And so now that part of you is exposed and I got really sick at the end of it. And to me, I mean, I was making a joke about the food. I got sick and you took care of me. Like very caringly, I knew that I could, we had this statue that we wanted to buy. And like, you're willing while I'm sitting there throwing up and pooping my brains out to go uh, jump on a scooter to go get money from an ATM. Like, I mean, it's chaos in the city and uh, go figure out how to get it packed up in a bag for it. And I mean, that is usually something that uh, I've always been the person or the default person to, to do all the hard things and to feel my partner be able to step up and do all the hard things while I was in a vulnerable state. Baby to me, it's kind of like what Kyle was saying. That was ceremony to me. The trip was ceremony. So uh, aside from making jokes about the food, I, in all seriousness, um, that, that is what that, that trip taught me that we can face anything. Mm. I have faith. And that's like when those, when you're you're in a foreign land together and your heart's wide open and yet you're in these very vulnerable states where it feels kind of intense or energy's coming around you and it, it feels kind of dangerous and I need to really step up um and know that we're hand in hand to have each other's back. Um that was ceremony to me. Yeah, I think Bill Murray says you don't truly know someone or don't marry someone or something. You don't truly know someone until you've traveled another country with them. And I have only, I had traveled 30 countries backpacking by myself. Um, and it was so, I thought it was the only way I'd ever travel because I didn't have to deal with anyone else's attitudes, anyone else's desires of like scheduling. Um, and it was like this really beautiful feeling of like, no one knows where I am. I'm in a tent at the bottom of Sippy Falls. And like, this is before the iPhone, you know, like no one knew where I was. And that felt so romantic to me. Um, this trip, what I, I experienced the same. I felt like, wow, we really, we travel together so well because, um, we have a lot of the same quirks. Um, we're so in alignment with how we live our lives that, uh, it was just, it, it felt almost like I was just traveling outside of other, other, you know, someone else controlling our schedules because we were on a pilgrimage, like studying under someone. Um, it really felt like, um, it was just a beautiful, yeah, witnessing of, of um, how well we flow side by side. I think. What, <laughs> Did you just quote Bill Murray, like comedian? Yes. Okay. You know, Soul's middle name is Murray. I do. I do. You know, he has a quote out there. He says, uh, <clears throat> you know how like exciting a person is if when you have their phone and you're scrolling through their photos and they get nervous and they want to grab their phone from you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, Or, you know, how boring someone is if they don't. Mm. Um <clears throat> I don't know. That came to mind. That's funny. Um, The part that was really inspiring for me with India was I kept having these like God winks of how much life surprises you. And it was the same thing that happened in Bali. I have a tattoo from a little monk on my back that says smile and tie. And I got it in Pi. Pi means love there. And Pai is like one little street with monks on motorcycles and the most beautiful mountain. And I stayed in this little hut for like $3 a night, including breakfast. And I remember um, being so happy. And three months prior, I was considering committing suicide. I was 27. 
And I remember it was, it was the summer I, I was in pie in November and in July I was, um, I was just feeling so alone and really thought it was just going to be so much easier to end it all. And, um, it was, you know, if you've been in those times, you can scroll through your contacts and there's just no one that you feel like you can reach out to, even though those people really do love you. You're in this like darkest pit. And when I was in Bali, I remember thinking like, wow, I almost missed out on this because I was going to end it. And, and I, I remember thinking like a smile is always around the corner. Like you never know what's around the corner. And so I got the word smile tattooed on my, on my right uh, side of my back. And I ha- kept having those feelings in India of like, I mean, thankfully I was not, uh, I've not been suicidal in my thirties, but, um, I, I still, you know, it's been a rough year at times. And I remember thinking like, wow, life is so, it always surprises you. And there are God winks around every corner. Like, um, we were at the Kali temple and I thought that the Lakshmi temple would be the most, most emotional for me, but I actually felt the most, um, emotional and drawn to the first Shiva temple that we went to, but we were at the Kali temple and I looked in my time hop, which is an app that tells you what you were doing. However many years you've had your iPhone last year, up to like 10, 15 years ago. And I saw that two years ago to the day that we were in the Kali temple, I posted an image holding the Kali, um, uh, tapestry that I have. I was holding it and I posted a quote by Andrew Harvey, who we were there in India with. So it was like, not only were we in the Kali temple, but we were with Andrew Harvey. And I posted that two years ago, having no idea that I would be in India at this Kali temple with the writer that I was uh, taking this course from. And so it just, I just felt like, wow, like what might happen in two years from now? Like, there's just so many surprises around the corner if we will hang on and push through and, and keep moving and keep going. And, um, so that was really exciting. Um, seeing how well we traveled together was really exciting. Um, uh, you know, constantly people on the tour, there there was only one other person that was our age. Everyone else was mainly fifties and up, but there were some 80 year olds. So it's like, we were exhausted. I don't know how they did it, but almost everyone on the tour, uh, besides a few, um, told me like, wow, the love that y'all embody is something I've always desired in my life. And, um, it felt so beautiful to feel like, wow, our presence and how we love each other, um, is healing to others and gives others hope. And, and then Andrew Harvey, the writer, um, I mean, he was constantly just speaking so much, um, beauty into us about our relationship and what he saw in our union and that because of how high regards I hold him that felt really um it was just it just felt like such a blessing to me like all of the wisdom he gave us about our relationship um he he gave us tools uh visualizations he gave us blessings you know prayers he prayed over us like there was just so much that we received from him and it um I don't know. It just, it felt, um, it felt like a, such an incredible memory that we made. Um, I know that someone asked about India and so in our next episode, we'll maybe share something else that comes up, but. Baby, I think we've done it. I think, uh, I think we've, we've given everybody more than a buy the cheeseburger. I think we gave them the whole thing. Um, if they are wanting more, 
I'm excited for everyone to reach out before that. I, I think, um, more, most importantly, I just want to thank everybody for listening in, uh, the giving me your time, which is so precious, uh, to hear our story, to hear my story, especially, um, who, uh, yeah. How do we end it, baby? Um, I think gratitude, gratitude for your time. And, uh, what do I want to leave everybody with like a parting gift is um, we're in the holiday season. We just did a carnival with our friends uh, for Christmas and everyone being so happy and the kids being so happy. And um, if anything I can leave everybody with is just make sure you inject joy into everything you do. Um, stop and give everything 10 breaths. 10 breaths for 10 seconds of inhale, 10 seconds exhale, just to reset and remind yourself what the big picture is, that eagle's eye perspective, because so easily we can all be like chickens pecking our heads around in the dirt, kind of trying to scavenge instead of re reminding ourselves we're eagles. And rise above everything and remember um, the point of life is to live and to remember that uh our perspective allows joy into every single circumstance in our lives. And I know a lot of you are going through tough things out there uh, with the economy, with relationship, um, whether it be political, whether it be intimate, whether it be with your family, uh, just know that um, you're safe you're loved, you're connected to a greater whole than you could ever imagine and lean in with faith. There's the difference between knowing and choosing to believe uh, into the unknown. And I think the holidays are a great time for that, bringing families together. And so when this is released, I guess we'll be right past the holidays and we'll be into the new season. And uh, we always finish up with our clients or at least, um, try to transition with our clients through the holidays and kind of start anew. And I know, honey, I know you're having a few more clients that you're taking on for the new year and you only have uh, three spots left. And there's no, no one better that I've ever seen that has the ability to hone in on exactly where someone desires to take their life, what the true unmet need is behind um, the purpose and the passions that they speak of. And you embody, you embody health and vitality. And so to, uh, it's an honor to, to encourage people to work with you. And um, anybody that reaches out, I'm going to ask you in a second, just to make it very clear with them how to get in touch with you. But just to know, uh, my request personally, um, as Jay's partner, is that uh, her time is so valued and valuable that I know you do at least charge a little bit for a consultation uh, just to weed out people <laughs> that are, you know, wanting to sit there and, and you know, get a, um, a connection with Jade, you know, for, for an hour. Because we say it's going to be 20 to 30 minutes, but I know Jade, just like me, those always turn to hour or an hour and a half. You want to give someone everything you have. And uh, even if you, you do not feel it's going to be an alignment or a win-win either way with that potential client, you at least um, want to know your time is valued. And so we value your time requesting anybody that reaches out to Jade 
as a potential client to do the same and just know that you're going to get your money's worth for that consultation. And likely you're going to want to buy all in because that's the way Jade practices and interacts with all clients. She's, she's all in. So, so how, how can they find you, baby? Um, I mean, you can always reach out to me directly on Instagram. Uh, and that's also the way you can send us questions. If you uh, want to have your questions answered in our next episode, uh, my email is jadebryce at gmail.com, but I have my website, jade-bryce.com, where um, you can see, you know, all the packages and all of the things that I work uh, with clients on. And uh, there's a little way to sign up there if you if you rather do it that way. Okay. And how do people reach us both for questions? Like- they can reach out to either of our Instagrams okay. uh, just to send us a question. And uh, we have not recorded that yet. So you still have time if, if you have something you want us to touch on in that episode. Your Instagram is at the Jade Bryce? At the Jade Bryce. Yours is at Dr. Judd uh, with two Ds, J-U-D-D. And then there's also the podcast Instagram at Untamed and Unashamed Podcast. Woo! I love you, honey. Love you, babe. All right, you guys. Um, well, thank the affiliate affiliates as always, but I do want to say, um, you know, there's Judd uh, does bring up a lot like the the chicken versus the eagle, like being the eagle and not the chicken. And that's something that like him and I uh, talk about, or, like go back and forth on, and it's going to be a chapter in my book. Um, I haven't, ex- I haven't figured out the title of maybe it's like you are both chicken and eagle or what it's going to be. But um, there have been times that I've definitely showed up as the chicken in this relationship. And then majority of the time I'm the, I show up as an eagle, but we are definitely both. And you do not have to be an eagle all of the time or in order to uh, be worthy of your desires. Um, I know that's not what he meant, but I wanted to just add that piece because there are definitely times where I may be feeling like a chicken for a couple of days and we all have both of those inside of us and it's okay uh, to show up as both and to not um, have to uh, feel the pressure to be evil all the time. Um, and we, uh, it, it feels great to, to be evil. And to allow chicken to show up. I don't, I, I don't know that all sounds silly, but I wanted to bring it up just because uh, that was a conversation I had um, a while back, the first time I heard that saying. And I thought like, oh man, we are both. We are both. And it feels good to allow that and to accept that in ourselves. Um, yeah. Uh, all right. So I always think paleovalley.com forward slash shade in the middle of uh, the episodes. Uh, so you heard an ad for that already, but I want to just bring up that, uh, my hair, my nails, um, my muscle growth, like all of it has benefited from their products. My top four are the organ complex, the, um, bone broth, the, uh, fish pills, uh, they, they have wild caught fish pills. I feel like that has made a big difference for me. And they're, I love their, I'm torn between their meat sticks or their superfood bars on which ones I like to promote as a snack. Cause they're both just so good. I love their chocolate bars, y'all. Um, and they just came out with, uh, beef tallow. 
So beef tallow is, can be like used in placement of like coconut oil and it's supposed to be like a wonder oil for your skin. So I'm really excited. We got a a butter maker and we're going to start making our own skincare products with their beef tallow. So you can, if you go to paleovalley.com forward slash Jade, not only will you get a discount on your order, but uh, this show will get a little cut of whatever you spend. And that's a way to uh, support the show. So really, really, uh, it would mean so much to me if you would use that link. And again, you know, I brought up my, my website, jade-bryce.com. It's a way you can see what workshop I'm, I'm holding right now. Uh, you can sign up for my newsletter and sign up for coaching. Um, I, I have such a strong desire and passion to work one-on-one with people. And I think one of my gifts is to really pinpoint shame. I feel like I have like a little stud finder for shame and tackling that shame or, or listening to the shame and, uh, and really holding it. And, uh, it would be an honor to be able to sit with you and, and go through that process with you. There's a couple of other links under, uh, in the show notes, you'll find the gene keys link. Uh, it's kind of like human design, a little bit different though. You'll find the pleasure wands and yoni eggs, uh, the cervical wand that I talked about in this episode, you'll find a link for that there. Code Jade gets you a discount. Uh, they're beautiful tools and so powerful to be used, uh, to do all the things that I talked about in this episode and then all things infrared. Uh, you'll find a link for higher dose, uh, code Jade 75 gets you $75 off. And, uh, thank you guys so much for, for tuning in. I know this was a long episode and, and it, I'm humbled and honored that you guys made it this far. And, uh, it would mean so much if you would leave a review or share this episode with a friend. You can also join me on Instagram at untamed and unashamed podcast. As always be a light. Stay open and remember, you belong here. But we got what it takes for the circle to break. Revolution lives in me. I belong. I belong. I belong. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.